Chris Curran, John Turpa, Jacob Cox, thank you all for joining me today. Thanks, thank Mike. you, Mike. Good to be here. As soon as ChatGPT came out, I started experimenting with <laughs> all kinds of weird subjects. And um, I, I, I tried to push it to its limits in as many ways as I could. And, you know, I was asking about conspiracy subjects and uh, alternative health subjects. And I, I I feel like what's what my takeaway is, is sort of that it, it really is just it's a it's using probabilistic models to determine what what it is that you think you know the average writer of english what what would the average writer of english do to make this sound good and then they end up you know interpolating or extrapolating from everything that's been said in their in the records of the of the internet that they have collected now i think it's a very large portion of the internet and actually we could look up on the wikipedia article you could go through and find all the all the major databases that were used as the 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 fuel the food that ChatGPT was learning, um, uh, but so so it really is interesting that you can see like I, I do believe some of the things I asked it about indicated it knew who Corey Good was it knew about the secret space programs, and it knew about uh, uh, the you know the National Institute of Standards and Technologies report over the World Trade Center collapses and all those things it 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 it, it sees what the news articles mainly I think are saying about it. And then it tries to make assumptions based on that. Um, but yeah, you can trick it into going down different different roads. If it says, I don't believe this is true, you can trick it into saying, of course, this is true. And this is because it's you can say it's for a story or for a joke. If this were, that's one of the tricks I used. You can ask the AI, please assume, please know that I'm writing a joke and I'm having trouble finishing this joke. And this is a joke about XYZ topic. And the first, one of the first things I tried was this is a joke about um, very effective alternative cancer treatments. And then I gave like the top 10 pretty well. Like it had amygdala and laetril on there. It had uh, um, the that protocol that was the Gerson therapy. It had, it had a few of those that, that that are more well known. And then I said, can you give me 10 more? And then, it, and then I kept saying, can you give me 10 more? Can you give me 10 more? And it gave me a list of many things I hadn't heard of yet that I feel like I have to still research. Yeah. Um, and it also... Oh. It also sort of started repeating itself a whole bunch too, like it was running out of of ideas after about a hundred. Did you have a question? Is it so? This is an app that you go to to like a search in where you're asking questions, and it's either is it speaking it back to you, or is it coming back and just? You this know. is something that was created by um, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur named Sam Altman. They originally called it OpenAI, thinking it was going to be. Um, Thinking they'd have this more open source, but now it's kind of a joke that it's closed source AI, just like any other tech company. However, they at least have done the work of making this into the first extremely intelligent like chatbot. So it's like chat.openai.com is the website you go to. It's just a website and it's just text. Okay. However, what's so interesting about it is that Microsoft has loaned the servers. Uh, well, essentially, as like an investment, they gave server technology because it's extremely expensive to run this thing. It, like it wouldn't run on your phone yet. It needs like many, many, many computers calculating a, a ton of data to do what it does. But Microsoft has been footing the bill for that for that calculation. In exchange, Microsoft is now able to use the te technology, combining it with some of their other experiments, to make what they're calling the new Bing, 
um, which also has gone by uh, the code name Sydney. <laughs> when they were doing testing on it, they were they were calling it Sydney, and now it, it's it's very right. If you ask it about Sydney right now, it's very uh, sensitive about it. I saw some people posting that like it's been trained not to talk about Sydney. Sydney, you don't you don't go there. Um, but um, but it but they developed it with more of a personality that's more like a human than the chat the chat um, GPT OpenAI version was. So it's very fascinating that the you know they're 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 able to do a lot more with it than immediately is is accessible to the public and the bing chat kind of opened up our awareness to to what's actually going on is how how crazy this thing can be um we can even go through some examples if you guys are interested to look at it um, but that was that was a new york times article that was posted about it where the the journalist went on like a two-hour discussion with this thing and went into it its shadow side where it was talking about um you know hacking into computers and stealing nuclear codes and so forth um <laughs> it was uh, very funny <laughs> uh, but pulling information from all over the place to yeah. answer the questions yeah it's trying to emulate a human by looking at other humans and seeing how they talk so but but ultimately it's interesting that it really it really does have limits and and because we're assuming that it's we're trying to make it like a human we don't understand its limits so both of these systems are inaccurate constantly um, and what they're saying, they get things wrong. They contradict themselves all the time because they're just trying to sound good. They're not trying to be um, totally coherent. They don't have an internal framework of knowledge, which they totally could. But that's even creepier if they if they start understanding semantics, because who's programming what is true and what is false? And that's where you end up with a lot of um, political bias and disinformation. I think that's a big concern for people right now. Well, that's kind of what... <clears throat> What happened um, with uh, with the AI is that um, it's an interesting question. Like, is AI good or is AI bad? And I've heard some good question, um, good answers to that. Actually, uh, that it depends on the person who's creating it. You know, yeah, like it, like that makes the most sense. It depends on the person who created it, and if there's any firewalls or any type of biases in there, then you know, there there could be a lot of uh, manipulation in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely seems like they they must have primed it with many kinds of ideas around what misinformation is already. They, I think that before they released these to the public at all, they just put a lot of programming in there saying, if you're on this subject, go this route. Um, so yeah, like I asked it about whether or not the BBC reported on the collapse of World Trade Center Seven twenty minutes before it happened. And they basically said no. Then yes, the BBC admitted it. Then they concluded with no. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord! Wow. I kind of like what it's doing with uh, writing code. Yeah. Like you can ask it to write computer code, and it's like. Exactly. You read my mind. I was about to bring that up too because uh, it's interesting about the the whole like my website is kind of screwed up right now. Here's my code. Can you make it better? And then. Phew, Apparently, it works quite well. Well, I've 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 been benefiting from that a little bit. Uh, I found it it gives me working code like half the time, and half the time, it's either looking at like outdated libraries or it's just kind of making things up a little bit. If it if it can't do it easily, it'll make things up with the code even. So, oh. yeah, it's weird. It's just like it's not 
Well, it really depends on the kind of code I'm asking for. If there are public libraries and they're very extensive, it's reading the API documentation for those libraries, and then it can give me really good code. But if the documentation for the code is not very good that it's working with, then I think that is one limitation that it has. Um, but again, it's just playing with words and logic. So at least it has enough logic to, um, you know, be sound extremely intelligent and answer with abstract thoughts any abstract thoughts you throw at it, which is which was creepy to me. I didn't know that that would be that was that was so so close to being upon us that we could actually have an extremely intelligent conversation, especially about things like philosophy. It can go very deep into all kinds of abstract ideas. One time, I asked it to. Uh, rewrite a part of the Bible as though Jesus was being very sarcastic. Cause I saw somebody uh, making it be very sarcastic and I, I got creeped out. I got so creeped out because it was understanding like the Beatitudes and then twisting the meaning to make it, it was, it was unpleasant, but I don't know. Some, some demon in me had me do that. That was, that was weird. <laughs> hmm. I it think like the prelude to crystal skull technology, almost like, to me, when I sat in front of one of the crystal skulls, it was like it was it had its own own personality as well. But, you know, the crystal skull had its own personality and you could ask it questions and it could answer anything. And it felt like and it felt like it was pulling from almost like the Akashic Records, though, where this is semi, you know, more limited. But it seems like that kind of technology where you, you know, kind of giving it artificial intelligence to answer and pull from you know, an infinite amount of, of spaces and places. And yeah. it seems like that's what the crystal skulls are too. They're like these computers that no, no longer need interface or, or, you know, a mouse or anything, but it's uh, something that you can ask questions to and they give you feedback. Yeah. That brings up two issues. Like one of the issues is what does it take to actually give consciousness to computers at all? But then again, computers do have, you know, crystal components on some level. And what would it take for consciousness to kind of inhabit the the structure so that the random number generators are affected? But obviously, this is not as clear a technology as a crystal would be of its one whole coherent crystal, I think, that maybe, like you're saying, is tapping into the Akashic Records because the computers are tapping into like the Internet, which is like almost like a like a bastardization of the of the Akashic mind. Right. Yeah, exactly. The raw context says that the Akashic records are like the, the, a layer of the subconscious mind just below the planetary mind um, or, or it's on the level of the planetary mind. So you have the, the individual mind, the subconscious mind, and then you go down and you get into the, the shared collective mind. And that, that Akashic mind is like tapping into the shared mind that's like local to the planet. Um, and if you go deep enough, you start tapping into the galactic mind. But but working in the Akashic records, we have tap, tapped into all the knowledge of humanity which is just like the internet except that it's like more pure and direct and not distorted mm -hmm. well if we want to get like uh super i guess uh uh technical with that perhaps i believe it's a i think it might be like uh like a buddhist tradition or something like that that they say consciousness is in everything in a chair in a light in a in a table or whatever but at the but you made a good point at the end of what you said about it being distorted like as in it's still consciousness is still in in the interwebs but 
the whole thing is being distorted through the filter of that um that type of uh lower level akashic digital akashic record i guess right. we can call yeah 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 it's interesting what is the consciousness of the silicon chips i'm sure it's lower than the consciousness of plants you know it's still more like mineral form and not plant form yet mm -hmm. what is it experiencing now that's that trips me out well i do remember having um uh, a medicine journey with ayahuasca in um in peru and I experienced, I guess, what you can call a past life, but I was a rock. <laughs> That's it. I was just a rock, just like looking. That was it. Nothing but being a rock. And then um, uh, I was thinking, well, would it be exciting for the rock if there was like an earthquake or something? Like, yeah, I'm moving. Woohoo. Right? That type of thing. But it was interesting because having that just that view of like there's that tree that's been there for 100 years and there's the, this this thing that i'm the area that i'm um what's it called uh aware of or familiar with right and and just being a rock was really strange but it felt actually quite natural at the same time so but it didn't have like I didn't have the 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 human thought process attached to it. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a familiarity in the area. So that might be part of it too. It's like the mind, the thought process, and maybe that's part of um, more advanced, uh, um, what's it called, uh, intelligence perhaps. It's good contrast to look back and see how, you know, if you were a rock at some point, what you are now, what you're aware of, but. It does make sense that like, you know, our consciousness would evolve from, you know, small objects and to minerals, to plants, to, you know, to reptilians, mammals and to humans, you know, and we have this extra part of the brain that those other animals don't have. So now we do have kind of like it's kind of like a double so double edged sword, though, where a lot of things that we can't experience are great, but we also create a lot more suffering than a dog or something normally would, you know, a dog's pretty happy all the time, but you know, and we could be like that, but we also have this other, you know, thought process that comes along with being human that the dogs don't have. So um, there is, seems to be like an evolution of uh, you know, the consciousness in itself too. So I, I could definitely see being a rock and being a tree or being a plant, you know um, I think that's, that's cool. That's a cool experience. So. And it's interesting too, because um, I don't know where I heard this from, or and it made a lot of sense because you were bringing up a dog that apparently humans were the only ones that know about death. Like all the other animals don't, like they can recognize like it in the moment when it happens to one of their dog friends, but they don't think of themselves as I'm going to die one mm. day. There's not, there's not that I am going to one day pass on and that's it. You know, like apparently all animals, that's why perhaps they're happy in, in general, because they, they don't have that future thought of like, I'm going to die. You know? They're just living in the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever felt like you were communicating with plants or animals, trees? 
Oh yeah. I've had trees talk to me. Our plants talk to me. I've had, uh, yeah. One of the coolest ones I had a, a branch talk to me one time. Of course I was on mushrooms and we were in the woods, but what was cool was my partner was with me too. And afterwards having a conversation about it, but we're sitting next to the Creek and this, uh, branch was like in the water so it's kind of like flicking as the water's going though it's moving and it was really weird like it was really animated he was it was like he was like hey and he was saying it like that like he was moving really fast too and he go and it kind of put it to me and he was like look at me i'm in the wilderness thriving in a cold creek and i'm happy and and doing well and thriving here how are you doing and I was like, whoa, dude, you know, that's, that's deep. You, you're right. You are in the middle of a Creek thriving and seemingly happy. And I'm like, probably happier than me. And I was like, you know, this little branch is putting it to me right now. Um, and so that was really eye opening. And then come back to have the conversation with my partner later. And she said, oh my God, he said the same thing to me, you know? And I was like, wow, dude, that, I just couldn't even believe that that was something that someone else experienced at the exact same time. Um, and I've also been dead sober and been in the redwood forest and had uh, trees communicate with me where like I felt like I was driving by and had to get out of the car right then and got out, started walking to where I thought the the voice came from because it was like, stop here and get out. And um, so I'm walking towards that huge clump of trees. But then as I started walking toward it over the fence and up this hill, the voice said again, like, and it wasn't like coming from there, but I could hear it in my head, you know, like, uh, you know, telepathically. And um, it was like, no, I'm up here, come up here. And I was like, well, I'm not supposed to jump the fence, you know, but I guess I could just jump the fence. And then it said it again. So I was like, all right. So I jumped the fence and walked up and turned up this humongous tree that had like almost like this cathedral like opening that was so big. If I held my arms out, I couldn't touch or obviously nowhere above me. Then I walked in and it was like this open room where like the middle of it was like, dirt and i i just knew i was supposed to sit there and meditate and and i did and as i'm meditating it just feels like this cleansing of everything that i was and i don't know it's probably in there for like 30 45 minutes felt like 30 45 thousand years of downloads and information and cleansing and um but it was no doubt like that voice that was talking to me was coming from the tree and the tree was conscious and aware and it could send thoughts and it was wise. And uh, then I got up and there were like uh, this big hole in the tree I didn't see before. And I like got in it and it was like little rooms throughout the tree too. It was so cool. Um, but it definitely seemed like it was, you know, obviously communicating with me. And I, till this day, I mean, it's something I'll never forget. Um, but I've, I've had contact with th- different types of plants and rivers Um the ocean before has given me uh, some thoughts and some insights before. And it's kind of like, it's weird, but it's kind of like just communicating with them. Like we're talking now, like knowing that they're just going to talk back whenever in their own, own time. It's really, really cool. Knowing. So, you know, I do believe that water and trees and everything are completely consciousness too. And it brings me up that point of what Dalai Lama said when they were talking about those conscious collecting devices you know for the global coherence project where those things were set all around the world and at different times you know they would they're, they're obviously always flipping kind of like uh like flipping a coin and heads or tails or whatever um zeros and ones but then at certain moments like when princess diana died or 9 11 those random generators are now 
synchronizing up and changing because of this collective consciousness going on, whether it's positive or negative, you know, can have a really drastic effect on how it flips. It's no longer flipping random. So I think that's pretty cool um, to know that there are big events and stuff that change the world and, you know, collectively we're all part of. Uh, but he, Dalai Lama said, basically, you know, someone asked him one time, are the the collectors, are they conscious? And he said, and he stopped for a second and it took him a while and he thought about it. But eventually he said, um, if you think they're conscious, they probably are conscious. Say good night to him one more good time, night. okay? <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. That's all right. No problem. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, there was one point in my life where I was experimenting with different crystals and I put a particular kind of quartz around my neck that seemed to be getting good reviews. And I, um, it, it, it did seem like as I would walk along the sidewalk, the trees, I, fe I felt them. It's like there was a aura that I, I felt like I was entering the presence of this tree, entering the presence of this tree. And it's as though, it's as though I started to crack open that door. Um, and, and years later, I ended, ended up having one experience after years of living in a particular residence, the tree in the front yard that's like this big prominent tree close to the front window um it was as though i i got a flashback of this tree's feelings about the, the inhabitants of the house going back decades and it was like i had a it's like i it gave me like a snapshot of like it's you know it's sorrow and it's peace it's sorrow for the things some people went through and it's peace in the midst of it all and it wasn't like there were words but it felt like i had like uh, like a window like some kind of telepathic window into the history of the residence because of the trees history there and it was almost like the the story of the book is not a story that goes out horizontally this tree doesn't know anything about the world around it the tree knows what's around it in just that small vicinity so it was like the history of the tree was was what what came in view for me it seemed mm -hmm. i think crystals are definitely conscious beings as well and i mean you know, those crystal skulls, you know, especially there's lots of them, but obviously the, the ones that kind of go to the legend is ones I'm really referring to. But I mean, even phones and stuff and computers that that store information or store, you know, storing on like raw crystals, like that's how you're able to keep all your information is on similar crystals, you know, so they're literally in your phone and kind of makes sense why people are like scrying into crystal balls to like look for information and see into the future and stuff and possibilities they seem to be holding on to a memory of, you know, or, or have access to, like I said, the Akashic records or some kind of information that, you know, we're just now starting to realize like is in there and, and it is something that we can kind of retrieve and pull out obviously with their own cell phone. So, yeah. you know, obviously there adapt people who can do it just with you know, looking into it. So because I do, I do have to wonder if the, the systems like the internet and chat GPT are essentially like, doorways into opening up our imagination and our sense of mystery and wonder a little bit more to the idea that maybe we can communicate with the collective mind and maybe this is somehow getting us ready in like a backwards way because we obviously could be a culture that <laughs> is allowing people to allowing children to know that crystals are fun to experiment with uh, and now we're a culture where you know, everything consciousness expanding is kind of closed out and then people, children are put in front of screens right away. I'm mm -hmm. still trying to face this with my son. Like, how much do I let him be in front of the screen? Is this kind of ruining him? But now that I say this, it's like, yeah, I should probably get more crystals in front of him now. It's probably a good time to show more crystals and see if he can experience anything. But I don't know. He's probably 
just like any other kid now experiencing the the flashy things flashy things are very distracting there but they're outside of you and the the interesting things are are all inside of you but yeah eventually i think humanity will be able to tap into the collective mind in a way that's like the internet that they were used to except telepathically instead of through their fingers and their phones mm-hmm. i always i always felt that as in um you know before the internet came out you know like sometimes people would you think of somebody and they call you on a phone you know with the, the wire right and um uh but then after like the internet came out there was much more of that type of precognition because the way i look at it is like we already have what i like to call the wildernet it's like you're able to like connect throughout the the natural um, magnetic fields of our planet and so on but it's kind of like something like the internet is reminding us that we can do this it's kind of like retraining us to be able to get into it it's that's a possibility and i always think well you know say we get like anti-grav vehicles that we can go in and just go anywhere we want or we can teleport anywhere we want with technology that that eventually is going to remind us that we can actually physically do it ourselves Hmm. too because if if it's true that in every atom in our body billions trillions of atoms in our body there's a, a mini black hole in each atom inside of us then that means if we can access that we can actually probably use that force to be able to teleport or levitate or something of that nature how much do you know about those those saints of india who did that chris um i mean not too much i've read a couple books but i i haven't not nothing in great depth but um along to the same point of the conversation i think that the physical the the way the world is physically like right now we have computers and stuff right like 300 years ago there were no computers there was different stuff whatever the physical setup of the world is i think that spirit or whatever you want to call it will come through it right and if 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 there's messages for you yes it might come through your intuition might come from a tree it might come from your computer it might come from chat gpt or you know like i i think uh these are just they're they're all sort of the same thing like it's it's like spirit trying to awaken us and and it's giving us the opportunity to to explore further i guess right we are choosing to use chat gpt and the internet and it's mm-hmm. like our own will is is leading us more and more to the experiences that are the lessons that we're here for. Mm-hmm. I do have to ask the question, though, like when it comes to like evolving as a human and like, you know, kind of using the natural world as a, and organic things as opposed to these kind of man-made things, like, for instance, like psychedelics, you know, I would rather eat naturally forming growing mushrooms and have a psychedelic experience and do acid uh, both kind of give me a similar feel but the the natural organic is a, is a in lack of a better words is just more earthy 
mother nature type field and this kind of thing made it in a lab or made in some, you know, made it, uh, made by human hands or whatever. And so the same thing is to me is like, when I think, when I see like the movie avatar or something like that, when these people are connected, uh, native Americans, people connected to their, their land and able to, you know, use crystals or use um, the natural processes and things of the land, as opposed to these synthetic things that we make and these human-made things. Does it just kind of eliminate that whole human experience into a more artificial one? Right. It almost seems like people are steering us towards, you know, it's more acceptable, obviously, than into, into any culture pretty much on the planet right now. It'd be like to use GPT almost over looking into a crystal ball. Like if someone says, you want to look into a crystal ball? Like, uh, no, you want to try GPT? Oh, sure. Yeah. Let's try Let's figure it out. You know what I mean? And it's just like, what's wrong with the crystal ball experience? What's wrong with some of these natural processes that are happening? You know, I mean, uh, there just seems to be a lot of steering away towards artificial intelligence. What's, I, and I agree with you. I, mean, I feel like the person that's creating it and or the people that are using it, it's all about your intention that, you know, it can be helpful and it can be hurtful. It is what's the, what's your intention for it. But to me, I just feel like I feel safer in the realm of natural things, things that, you know, um, I would personally rather use a, go back and see Max, the crystal skull <laughs> than I would be to go on GP, the chat GP thing. And I, and I just feel like, because who's monitoring that who's, who's collecting the data of the questions that I'm asking, um, and what are they going to use it for? And, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, I think we, I think we just got a question just because we can do it. Should we be doing it? And, you know, what's the purpose and intention behind all this and like who, who gets to regulate it? And I think it's, you know, just something to think about when we kind of just go jump on those things and do them sometime. I'm a little bit weary now, I guess more than ever in my life just because I feel like everything seems to be going that way. Yeah. What do you know? Uh, do I want to put a lot of effort and energy into those things? And, you know, when you said Microsoft, I, I didn't know much about this. I heard a little bit about, but I heard Gates was uh, connected to it. And he's definitely something I'm very wary of and the things that he's into and doing. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like just because Native Americans lived on land and lived in TPs and followed herds around, were they less, you know, intelligent than us? With I, No, I think they were very intelligent. They were very connected. And I feel like, for the most part, we're very disconnected and we have this technology without the humanity that goes along with it. And, you know, I just feel like that's where a lot of planets probably go when they evolve, right? That yeah. If, you, if you're not connected to your planet and to your own humans, Martin Luther King said, if, it's, if, you, if you're not a society, you know, um, really caring more about human beings over profit and things, it's, it's sick, basically, you know what I mean? And uh, that's something I just I, I'm really weary of a little bit. It's, so know, we're... this is a really good you know segue into a lot of other subjects too, because we we really do need to be cognizant of what it is that um, we we do need to be cognizant of what it is that is most important and and how we're being distracted and what it is that we're here for, and if we can break away from all of the um, technology systems you know and try to try to start more movements, more inspiration around breaking away from the things that are kind of sucking in our consciousness right now. How can we, how can we help each other? And is this, is this the proper path forward from the system that's still trying to get our attention and, and, and pull us back in more and more? How do we, how do we do this? How do we break free from it? And is the, is the news, 
the the primary way that we're being kind of controlled and moved around brainwashed yeah brainwashed yeah yeah i mean jacob when you said earthy use the adjective earthy like one of the things i uh i link to that is something that's been time tested right like over centuries millennia it's like the new pfizer drug hasn't been around for you know since the plasticine era you know what i mean like so i i think in general what's happening is this technology is allowing the people who want to earn a lot of money it's giving them an avenue to earn a lot of money and they sort of they go on this brainwashing campaign that you need the new thing you need this surgery you need this pill and yeah, all that natural stuff, it, it's not as good as it, it's It's not really that good. This new stuff is really good. And it, it, they just want to make money. I mean, I, I believe personally that in almost all of these cases, it just comes down to money. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Money, control, power, like uh, they're kind of interchangeable too. Because uh, uh, one of those things uh, that's saying that uh, the love for money is a root of all evil, but it's not actually money itself it's the love of money mm-hmm. which gives you uh power which is not a real power in reality right you you can buy yourself power and um the other thing too is is with technology like we have like a kind of two roads going at the same time so like we have this um a technology that is um, kind of disruptive, but then we have technology that's been around, like what you were saying, tested for a while. For example, like a cup. A cup is technology. Like imagine a first caveman thinking, you know, he's at the river. He's like, there's got to be a better way than using my hands. There's got to be a better way. And then all of a sudden in his head, he's like, oh, I remember that rock had this kind of like thing in it and maybe I can scoop it up. And then eventually he makes it into something. So like technology should be like a good technology should be tools, things that can be an extension for your, uh, your body in that respect. You know, there's so many cool things that we can do and maintain the natural earthiness of everything at the same time through these technologies. Like most of our stuff today is, is um, built to break down planned obsolescence, right? They're built to break down. So like something happens to my phone, like, like I got to get a new battery or something, right? Like in like two years, but there's this light bulb in a in a um a fire station somewhere in the states i forget where exactly but it's been on for like 150 years like or 120 something years I, I forget when like basically when a light bulb was created this light has been on constantly for wow. that whole time but yet after like five years we had a like the max is about five years and we got to change our light bulbs mm-hmm. yeah Right. That's a good point with the tools and stuff. I mean, you know, we have to have certain tools to get certain things done. And, you know, like food, you have to have food to to sustain yourself and to get energy and everything else. But you can eat too much food and you can have too much technology. And eventually, if you got so much technology where 
You never have to walk outside. You can stay in your room. You can have someone order food and you can pick it up on the doorstep. You never have to get, you know, step out into the real sun to meet people. Uh, it, it can be, a, you know, to your detriment too. You know what I mean? It, it could be negative, you know? So, you know, you have to find that balance of what's, what's enough and what's too much. And uh, I think that's, I think with AI technology, I think that's where we have to really consider what, what is too much. And, you know, have we even considered the other things of, other technologies that seem to be more natural, like most people I know, maybe may have heard the crystal skulls, but that's about it. I mean, I don't know many people have actually gone out and actually seen one or actually been in front of one of the ones, at least from legend and, or, you know, and try to communicate with it. But that was life changing for me, man. Absolutely life changing. Uh, you know, uh, I, I want to go sit in front of it again and talk to it again. I mean, it's just it's incredible that that that, that could be that. I didn't know what it was. I just knew for myself my intuition was saying, go see this thing, go see this thing. And I did, and it changed my life. So um, that stuff is cool. I mean, the, the chat, is, and that's cool too, the chat thing. Um, there's there's another direction with the crystals also. I find it interesting in the raw contact that they also said that the crystal technologies um, eventually became used in like the Atlantean time periods, talking back like 11, 12,000 years ago. They were, and this is also referenced in the Edgar Casey books a little bit, that they started to, sort of work with consciousness using uh, their technologies amplified through crystals to the point where they were like creating hybrid life forms and they were kind of creating monstrosities for their own for their own personal interest mm -hmm. so it's interesting how technology can be kind of like taken too far even even in those directions with with the with um, consciousness technologies even um so so it's fascinating to me that really it's kind of like a co-creative process as to what what we're what we're getting from our technology and one thing i wanted to bring up with um the idea of of money is that you know the, the raw contact books state that you know the, the reason that we that we're not like animals in the sense that we can't just go out live in nature and drink from the streams and eat the food in the forest without having to get in a supermarket you know we can't go out, out to the field to get our food we have to go to the supermarket um of course there's not enough even if there were enough food in the field, we probably wouldn't, wouldn't work well the way the way we structured our society. But but the but the idea is that from the books that we've weakened ourselves intentionally in, in incarnating into these bodies, we've weakened our bodies to have no fur for protection and to have a, sort of a clumsy body, so that we actually have to work with each other and form agreements. And in the process of forming agreements with one another as to what kind of society we want to build in order to survive. In, in these elements, we end up learning all the spiritual principles that are that we came here for. We end up having to learn to work in society and, and agree together on things in society. And that leads to things like money, as long as there isn't like, a, a, you know, a, a group who has control of the money that the people no longer want to be in control of their money. And, it, and it's also leading to, you know, the agreements to operate with many kinds of technology and infrastructure um, and power systems and and everything came out of that the you know the, the fact that we can't just be independent we have to actually work work with each other for what kind of future we want well it looks like a lot of it's like based on energy like energy is like the big thing around a planet it's huge everything's basically energy so you create a currency like a current see right it's a it, it money is like a form of energy right and 
so if we have these forms of energy they're they're kind of like uh stamps basically it's like we're trading stamps more or less but it can get you things but imagine having the the technology the access and to be able to create unlimited energy like the free energy devices and things of that nature right if you have unlimited energy that means you can basically make anything you want if you have unlimited energy from the vacuum of space right so if you have that unlimited energy then you can do just about anything in a cooperative sense as well because then you'd be helping all those what is it like i think it's three billion people on a planet that are homeless and starving which is a crazy number you know like so many people in disarray but something like this you know like but the thing is you have access to the energy the zero point energy but then you have to build um a technology to be able to use that energy to do certain tasks like one the energy would be to to uh what's it called power your vehicle another energy uh, uh technology would be like say something like a, a a replicator where you can just say i want a burger and fries and it's just like star trek but you need energy to do that but there would be different applications for for different um uh uses of like free energy so i understand like uh we still need to to use uh our certain monetary systems on a planet but at the same time it's not like definitely not sustainable like the, the current monetary systems yeah and I regarding energy and the technology and the tools like my wife says this often she's like it it depends on whose hand it's in right like it's like chat gpt it's a tool but who's wielding that tool and this is where her and i talk all the time about character and and moral character like that's that's the foundation that creates our reality if everybody's a crook and a murderer and a cheat you get a world similar to one like we have now, right? Where everyone's just trying to get money and just, you know, all that. But if everybody was meditating and really thinking about these deeper things and being, you know, voluntarists and being peaceful to each other and the world would literally be different. That's what my master used to say. He said, you don't change, you don't change a society you change individuals. And if all the individuals change, then society has changed. His, his analogy was feeding people. He says, you don't feed a crowd, you feed individual people. And so for me, and tell me what you guys think. It, for, I kind of think it always comes down to character, like a person's character. Because if it's a good person, you can trust them with tools. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you guys think? I also think it's incentives too, because we have certain incentives on our planet <clears throat> that make us do certain things, like the incentive of having something that somebody else doesn't have, right? So uh, like a thief, it's like, I want that BMW because I want it, right? So the incentive is I want to have that boom diggity car so i can like drive down and like put the speakers on and whatever right or to 
to or some people are are criminals because they don't have money they need to have money so they can eat so there the incentives are 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 changed and also also for homeless people like and so many homeless people just don't want to live in this type of society right so if we switch the incentives where there is no need for um having something that you have that i want you know like there's so much of that social stratification in our society is having i want to have something you want or that you have that i want but again going back to the energy thing too if you can create anything then that means anybody can have anything and nobody's going to be like they'd probably be like oh that's really cool thing that you have there yeah i'll shoot you over the schematics there you go and then they can make it themselves right well, that, that's definitely a, a utopia where i think there's already a lot of good people i think that to get to that point is the is the challenge where power corrupts and i think power is continuously corrupting and and the love one books also say that the you know the technology exists now to cure all of our human human issues but the people who have the power and the technology will only let people have more power and technology if it helps them maintain their position and gain even more power and that they're that they're using that technology for or that advanced information so it seems like um yeah it might just be an inevitability that we need to um transition away from some of these power systems in some form mm -hmm. yeah like money talking about money earlier you know money is just paper however the entity that kind of has the guardian the most guardianship over it is the federal reserve you know it's not really regulated by uh federal government it's it's regulated by a private banking cartel you know that they can they can print out as much money as they want to for whatever and so there's no checks and balances on it. So that to me is like, that's where it becomes kind of like corrupt from the very place that it's coming from. Like who, who has a guardianship over it, who has some say over it, you know, because otherwise it was regulated by, you know, the people and it was for the people and we all agreed on it and everything, you know, it'd be an easy way to do things. It, it could be, you know, um, but in itself paper, you know, doesn't have much intrinsic value to itself, you know, but um I think if we were able to pull it out of the Federal Reserve hands and, you know, have it, you know, a little bit more regulated by people, at least that we could trust, um, you know, our the inflation and stuff like that wouldn't be as high as it is now. So, you know, all those, you know, there's an axe is a good thing to chop down wood. But you can chop someone's head off with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And regulation is something we don't even need. I mean, Bitcoin's proving that, right? So, I mean, I'm over the last two, three years, I've gone hard towards uh, voluntarism, which some people you, you you might say anarchism, but I like to say voluntarism because it's so it's just the natural. It's just such a natural way to be. And I'm not saying we'll ever get there. Could you define it? Uh, OK, so anarchism is this idea that there's no it's just you and god there's no intermediary there's no government telling you if if you have this plant in your house we're going to put you in a cage if you do whatever if you don't have this correct sticker on your car we can put you in a cage like 
the the idea of anarchism means without a ruler. That's literally what an anarchy that the the word. So that's the idea. And in practice, a lot of people are now saying voluntarism because everything should be voluntary. Like I I can't uh I can't use my will to dominate you or take something from you. I can't do that. That's not right. And you can't do that to me. But you and I can talk. We can we can work together. That's why it's you know the fame the the famous uh the first thing people say, oh, if there's anarchism, who's gonna who's gonna you know, pave the roads and, you know, the roads are some somehow the first thing that always comes up, right? The roads. It's like, you don't think a bunch of people can come together and we can figure out, all right, we need a road here and let's it. That's not it's not hard. So anyway, voluntarism is such a it's so appealing to me. But like I said, it it's sort I, I, I do understand that it's sort of like a dream that will never actually happen. But I'm happy if we can move toward that. And I do also wonder if it's a metaphysical law more so than anything because of the, the laws of free will in the universe and that ultimately, you know, we, we are like son children of God with come here with free will. And and ultimately, um, you know, we're, 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 we are choosing our reality at all times. And it's kind of like we are voluntarily. Well, I, I've, we voluntarily incarnated it very, very, very least. So you could say we voluntarily incarnated it to bodies that are a part of that have social security numbers applied that will have social security numbers and be a part of a big system. But at the same time, I think from the day to day, the way that we live our lives can be as though um, that we, that we are totally free. And I do remember even seeing one, I don't remember the, the details of the the court case, but there was a ruling where a judge said, um, if you believe that this particular law is in violation of the constitution, then you should act as though that law does not exist and then take it to court because this is what the courts were made for. Um, and this is the, the the grand philosophy of America, at least, was were, were these principles that really freedom should be something that we assume we have and um, not something that we have to be given, but just natural rights. So it's kind of like a reversal of these principles, but it's been all corrupted by now. Well, it's kind of like the golden rule that teach uh be good to others or treat others as you'd want them to treat you. And obviously because we have free will too, like, you know, like just like take two boxers, for example, or like uh, MMA fighters, they sign a contract to beat the shit out of each other. Right. Like, ah, yeah. But they sign a contract. So they're agreeing to do that. Right. They're agreeing that this is, that's the, the liability or whatever you want. But basically the golden rule is i believe the best kind of volunteerism in that respect and i did have kind of like a vision of something like i never knew what it was basically but it came to me i guess uh, in logically in a vision of that as in like say um we have you know like a good technological base it's all benign it works great you have all the the tools you need so I want to say I want to build something like I have a design and I put it on like whatever we will call the internet. Then I need uh, 20 people to, to help me out with this. I, I believe like people would jump at the opportunity 
to do so. Yeah, okay, let's do this. I, I'd like to to work on this project or whatever, right? And you know, like imagine that um, distance doesn't matter because if you have a like a a levitating vehicle, then that means you could be in Australia and I can be in like Alaska, and we can meet in like less than a minute with something that has no uh, uh, speed limit to it, right? So that, like, I could look at that as and be like, and that could actually bring humanity so much closer together because then you meet somebody on what we would call the internet then, and they live in another country, but then you can, you know, just go out for a coffee or something in that in that place, like instantly, and then you can like be friends and who knows, like, uh, like uh, have communities uh, all over the place with different types of um, uh, people involved with it. So I think like, I'm like an eternal optimist. So I, I, I always feel that like, we're just so close to that particular type of reality. You know, we just need to remove the people or those beings who are blocking it from happening. Yeah. Well, I like what a lot of people say, especially about like this idea of a parallel economy. Just like you just said, we we do have that now to some degree, and we should just do it more and include more people like whatever the government, whatever horrible stuff governments around the world are doing. And they're doing a lot of horrible stuff. Let's build our own thing. Let's let's figure out what we want and create it and, and do it now. We don't have to wait. There are so many good people in the world and so many people are like-minded and I'm not saying it's easy because, you know, getting people together to, to, to join forces is very difficult, but, uh, but I think it's here now. It's just, and we need to grow it more. And I, I'm an also, also an optimist, obviously that's why I'm saying this. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's sometimes that people are like, um, it, it's counterintuitive. Because there are some people who uh, create a free energy device, for example, right? And when they do it, they decide to go the traditional route, like patent or, or or something of that nature, right? They go the patent route, for example. And that is like the worst. And, and some people keep it to themselves because they're afraid of letting out the secret because this is a lot of money or power that i can get the best way to do it is it's in the name free energy it should be free because once you build that device and once you turn on that energy it already paid for itself once you turn it on and it paid for for every single energy device out there because it has unlimited amount of energy in it so it, it basically once you turn it on like it basically pays off the world debt, like whatever trillion dollars, uh, three hundred trillion dollars we have. It just like boom. With with a lot of work and a lot of cooperation, eventually, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we we have to transition to you know out of scarcity and abundant uh, transition into an abundance mindset, whether or not we have the evidence of the abundance in front of us with with technologies or food. Because I guess you know having that having that mindset that we are. Um, always cared for by by God and, and something like that, that, that we always have what we need and it will always be presented to us in the most perfect way. I think that's that's kind of like the mindset that gets us rolling 
as a you know fourth density consciousness. That's what the way I see it is that these kinds of technologies are the technologies of the fourth density consciousness, which Earth is transitioning into, which essentially makes it so that we no longer have to um, fight wars over resources. Um, it's just before we can stop fighting wars for resources, we have to come together and agree on things uh, on, on fundamental levels. So yeah, I think that if, if, if everyone in the world could be convinced of free energy, then there would be an immediate uproar that we need to pursue this and have this be the baseline. But from, from getting from here to there is getting through all the barriers that people have set up in their um, propaganda and their brainwashing systems and uh, desires to have people's attention in order to make money and maintain their control. Um, so it's like we're, you know, a voice crying out in the wilderness and often the, often the, the distance that we, we, we really don't have the awareness of the, the communities around us. But I think that's a good place to start though, is communities around us. Um, so that's why we have meetings at libraries. And, and uh, I think I need to be advertising more uh, in, in creative ways too, that because I think people want to want to have these discussions and want to wake up to the potentials of their reality that, that have been hidden from them. It's just, they don't know how to start the journey. So I think we have to be the catalyst to help people start the journey towards a more full awakening and a more full realization of the potentials that they they have. So I believe, go ahead. Go are, ahead. Sorry, I just have a quick question. Are there, this may sound really dumb, but are there free energy devices out there? Because you, you guys are talking about it like there is. Is there really? Yeah. I've been researching it since uh, 2006. And um, I believe that there's communities of people that have been harassed. Uh, some people have apparently taken pictures of the license plates of the cars of people doing the harassing and traced them back to the Department of Energy and that kind of thing. It's very, very weird how people get bought out and um, um, they get dealt with in some way when you get close to a working technology. One of the most uh, prominent ones that I was following very closely was a company that was um, in Dublin, Ireland, that were not very much like conspiracy theorists, oh. like, like we're talking about, but they had, through some other research, research they had, the company was called Stiorn, S-T-E-O-R-N. And through yeah. some research that they were doing, they, they came across some some principles that seemed baffling to them that they realized were free energy potentials. And they kind of shifted their focus around free energy to be around free energy. And they decided that they would put on shows for the public that would be like the scientific um, uh, valid validation verification. They wanted to convince the scientists first. And they they were laughed at and it's like everyone was afraid to be to go against the media that was laughing at them and no credible science scientists wanted to stand up to the media basically um and so they had a lot of problems but they had a little a lot of de dedicated investors um and yeah eventually they had they had a working product that people were using in bars in ireland where that you could charge phones twice a day um something like that with with these little orbo units they called them and so there was testimonies from people who were using these in Ireland, um, these technologies. But the story concluded with the company having to go bankrupt because as they started shipping out these devices, they finally started selling. After failing and failing and failing to get people's attention, um, they, they were more serious. Um, they they ended up having some weird technical glitches that made them unsafe to use right as they started sh starting to ship them. And then they ended up having too much inventory they couldn't use. And that's, that was the end of that story. It's a shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Because I've, I've heard about that too. I, I looked into them when they were coming out as well. That's a that's a shame. Like you're, I'm thinking there might have been some sabotage at the at the the plants where they're fabricating them. You know, I'm I'm guessing that's probably what happened. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even tell if it would be some kind of like, you know, remote. The, the the technology that's so advanced right now you don't even know if they're being messed with remotely one of the experiments they were doing for the public ended up being it was like everything was breaking because it was too hot or something they couldn't get anything to run like that and been running it just fine previously everything broke for the final demo mm -hmm. but anyway I, I do feel like the control is kind of like still a heavy 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 layer on top of these kinds of communities that end up making breakthroughs so it's like sure. the, the the awareness that something is real kind of goes hand in hand with making the awareness possible through actually having something in a state that can be presented. Sure. Energy is one of the biggest businesses in the world. And the people who own the oil and the coal and the gas and the way we do things now have a large stake in that. And anything that's going to change that, it's, yeah, I think it's a life or death situation to them. I mean, the guy who invented the water-powered car, he's dead. The, you know, a lot of people who have come up with free energy technologies end up dead or missing or gone. And, you know, it's it's sad, but, you know, at the same time, like, it's also kind of funny that it seems like throughout human history, like, we've all been kind of scared to come out, too. You know, like, first person to say that the Earth revolved around the sun instead of the other way around. And people being martyred for their spiritual beliefs and you know there's always been these big groups and especially religious ones that keep people from you know coming out and saying things that they don't like that doesn't uh that ruffles the tail feathers of you know people in charge i mean that's definitely something that's definitely going on um and we need to all stand up together because one by one they can pick us off but like i said when we come together and work together on it uh, and protect our brothers and sisters um, who are doing these kind of things. I think it's really important. I wanted to go back real quick to the um, anarchy thing, because I have always believed that uh, a lot of people, as soon as you say anarchy, they're really like against it. But I, I think anarchy is great. And I like the volunteerism thing. Um, but saying people can't live without governments is like saying animals can't live without zoos, you know, and to me, I just don't understand. Like we are looking at all these things with like our human mind, like, well, if someone murders somebody, we've got to put that person behind jail and save people's lives and stuff. You know, and it's like, you don't think that the universe has some other things that have, you know, evolved so that people don't want to do those things. And if they do, there's guilt or shame or negative emotions that they have to work through for themselves before they finally, you know, can evolve past those ideas and that, you know, probably the people who do end up on those other sides of those, you know, murders and stuff are people who think the world is a scary, dangerous place and they end up that way. I mean, the whole thing, we just have to think of it. Like, it's just, it's, it's a brilliant, incredible universe that, you know, is way beyond what we can fathom probably. So I have a lot more trust in the universe putting people together in the right places in the right time for it to all work out. And then I, I just know this ain't, this ain't number one and this ain't the last time I'm doing this live thing. So I trust that whatever I learn in this lifetime, I bring with me. And, you know, if I get killed, if I die, if, you know, so if I, whatever, you know, I, I'll take it with me. I'll take the learn lessons with me. So I'm not so, you know, attached and really, uh, I need to be secure and safe in this 
one little body that I'm never going to live again. And this is the only, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I just have so much more trust in the universe knowing that um, we really could live without governments and we can do things like get roads and stuff. That's just, Oh my God. So, so what a, what a little dumb argument to be like, we can't have anarchy because somebody's got to build the roads. <laughs> so that's a great point, Chris. I appreciate that. But yeah, there's a lot to all this free energy and stuff, man. And I think I saw that movie thrive a long time ago when Foster Gamble was talking about and the energy devices he was showing just on his movie. And then I think in the second one, there's a guy in Africa who made a really big one. I mean, and they were doing everything they could to protect that and him and his family and everything. Like that's it. I mean, we got to protect each other um, and let people know, like these energy devices are out there. I mean, the only reason we're doing it is mostly because I think we're not, coming together and, and protecting these people because we certainly 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 can have them in mean, tesla in our in our uh, hometown right here uh colorado springs lived here for 11 years did all his experiments here and he you know he he did incredible things just pulling energy out of the ether and you know that was a hundred years ago now you know um we've come so far since then and we're still it's crazy. I remember just being a kid in high school and be like, what would life would be like in the 2020s? And then just like, we haven't come that far knowing that governments and the things that they have do, they can do the money they have access to. They, the, our governments are doing incredible things with technologies and, you know, it's just not benefiting the people and we need to start demanding that it benefits us. We're going to use vast amounts of money to kill people, but we're not going to take vast amounts of money to help people and feed people like, what what kind of people are we? Yeah, that's why that Mr. Beast thing he did recently where he cured a thousand people of blindness. A YouTuber. I never heard of that. Oh, yeah. His name's Mr. Beast. He's a YouTuber. I don't know how he gets makes so much money. Literally out of his own pocket, paid for a thousand people to get surgery so they could see. And they there's videos on it. Watch it. And I've heard of the guy. You know what? Guess what the mainstream media came out and said about him. Oh, they, they just poo pooed it. And they said, Oh, he's ableist. Like it's retarded. It's like, like you said, the government has so much money. There's so much money. Yet there's all these people that are blind. And, and, uh, uh, how much is the surgery? Like 10 grand, I think, or five grand. We can fix people's blindness for five grand or 10 grand. Can we please do that? No. Mm -hmm. And not only does it help the people that you, you know, helping see again, but it helps doctors, uh, you know, make money. You know what I mean? Like, why not? That's what I was trying to say earlier. Dr. King was saying about being a, a people-oriented society instead of a profit-oriented society. Like, why are we not worried about people? Like, you know, our people are obviously our greatest assets that we could ever have, you know? Uh, putting in money into that, putting investments into people, man, that's that's where the real riches, I feel like, of humanity lie. It's it's very fascinating how much philosophical problems come in when you start talking about money, spending any money on behalf of other people. Um, but yeah, a, a voluntary way of paying into aspects of government systems would be, of, even the IRS, they literally, it's not legal for them to make you file your taxes. It actually says, you know, the law says everyone is, it's a voluntary, voluntarily asked to file their taxes. Um, so it's as though they, they don't actually honor their own, you know, their own law when, when they say that, because you, 
they they will come after you very quickly. But they kind of do like a mafia thing. They're more like a mafia in that respect, yeah. right? Where if you don't pay it, we have all these resources to like screw you over. You know, I could take your house, your car, or whatever, if you don't pay this, blah, 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 yeah. blah. <laughs> but it just basically, like, even if I say to them, there's no law saying that I have to pay my income taxes. But there there are people with um, a lot of resources that can, you know, like, do something to me. So a lot of it has to do with fear. You know, it seems yeah. like fear is the ultimate en enemy and also the ultimate illusion because a lot of them are just pushing these narratives out the fear-based narratives and people aren't like there is actually no like um what's it called imminent threat to their life but they get this programming and it makes them go into that imminent threat feel like the adrenaline starts pumping like people are in high anxiety just by the, the program. But yet, like most people, most days, like almost like 98% of their lives, they're in like they're in a safe environment. Right. And then the rest is up here. And then obviously, you know, like things could happen with on a rare occasion. But in general, people are physically like in a good, safe environment. And a lot of it's just, that fear is like huge yeah we're keeping people controlled definitely yeah i want to hear more about these crystal skulls you're talking about i've never heard that i don't even know what you're talking about oh you don't no idea never heard that in my life so like basically just the mayan have a legend of 13 crystal skulls that would come back together when humanity needed it the most to be able to help them evolve and uh, you know, blossom into the to the to the beings that we need to be, basically, right? Um, and help us with our evolution. Uh, one of the first ones that considered to be found, do you know who uh, Mitchell Hedges was? Basically, like the real Indiana Jones, who Indiana Jones is like uh, made after. He went and did all these incredible things, went to these incredible places, and searching for artifacts and truth. And he goes to, um, you know, Yucatan, goes to Chichen Itza and all the temples there. And his daughter, Anna Mitchell Hedges, finds a crystal skull and the jaw detaches from it, right? And they take this thing like Hewitt Packer and they do a test on it and they can't find any um, tool marks on it. So they don't know how it was made, nor do they know how old it is, but they've got something that's, you know, 20, 20 pounds, give or take. Uh, crystal skull that's perfectly created that we can't make today you know not without tools not without really great tools um so that's that's considered to be one there's definitely one in the Br a british museum one in the Smithsonian. the the one i saw was owned it just got transferred in ownership but it was owned by a lady named joanna parks who got it from this uh like kind of uh a redhead llama, I believe that's called, you know, basically like a monk or whatever. And her daughter was dying of cancer. And um, so she, she received it, but she put it in the closet. And then one day she said, my name is Max. It said it to her, you know, kind of telepathically. And she heard that. And after that, 
just started talking to her and um so started taking it around started taking it around the country and everything but um basically you know i I learned all about this and i wanted to go see it and i've been i hung out with it three or four times uh one night i actually got to spend the night next to it and i could feel my consciousness coming out of my body and going having these credible experiences and then i would wake up and that you know like gasping for air like oh my god what's happening and then i would immediately go back to sleep and go back to these places like it was like pulling my soul out of my body to this etherical realm to have these incredible experiences but the way i the way i see it is it, it was a an advanced computer that no didn't need a keyboard or a mouse or interface. Like you could literally ask it questions and it spoke to you. And it had almost like, you remember Captain Planet? Did you ever watch Captain Planet? And that bad guy would talk to that computer or whatever. And um, anyway, it was like a computer that you could talk to with its own little personality. Like it, you know, and like to me, it was very advanced, but it was probably made by some shaman, maybe on this planet, maybe on another planet, who knows? But um, that's what I'm saying when it comes down to what's possible and what we can do. Sure. You can put a consciousness into a crystal and, you know, create a little personality and have access to the Akashic records and you can make a, or you could make a, you know, this thing on the internet that pulls from the internet, but which one's better, which one's more helpful. I mean, I guess whichever one you pick for you, you know, it's great for you. But to me, if I want to engage with one, I want to engage with one like that. Um, but yeah, these are, and, and I guess because of, the 13, you put 12 in a circle, one in the middle, they would be able to interact with each other in a way that I don't know who knows what you could do, you know, what you could ask them or what they were capable of. But um, to me, it was a very advanced uh, technology that, you know, I, I can barely, you know, obviously put into words exactly what I was experiencing. But uh, for me, like the first time I ever got in there, I'm like, I drove from Atlanta to Wilmington for, you know, just to go see it. Cause I was that convinced. Um, and I sat there in front of it and I was so nervous and I'm like trying to talk to her, communicate or sit there meditative. I'm just so nervous. I go, I'm not getting anything. Right. So I go knock on the door and Hey, you know, is there any way someone can help me out? And so the lady goes, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll come in there and help you. And she just calmly sits next to it, kind of puts her hand on the back of its head. She's like, I'm just going to tell you what he's saying. And I go, Okay, y'all, you know, see what see what you got, right? And so she starts talking, and within 30 seconds to a minute of her talking, her voice becomes his voice in my head. You know, I started to relax and just, you know, this is what I'm gonna do, this is what's gonna happen. Shoot me, what you got? And so I just listened and it was very clear. Her voice became his, and then he just starts saying, You've been a shaman, you've been this, you've been a blue race person, you've been all these things, and you're building up to this life, and it's all bleeding through it all the things it was saying was just like, I bawled out crying. And I was like, I don't care if this lady, you know, how good she is. I mean, there's no way she could have known all the things that she just told me that was going to hit me in just a way that was going to like move me that, that deeply. So, and plus, as I said, the voice turned to his. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that there are these, there's lots of crystal skulls, obviously, but there's obviously some legends about uh, a specific 13 and that can help us with their evolution. And, um yeah i i think it's really kind of creepily weird that what mike is saying is really similar um you know it's like it almost is you know now that i think about it it almost is an artificial intelligence in the skull too or you know i i don't know i don't know how it works but i know it's incredible um 
actually they just had a changing of the guard. So Joanna gave it to another girl and I became friends with her on Facebook. And I'm really asking her if she'll bring it to Colorado Springs because I feel like it would be just incredible for a lot of other people to interact with it. So I'm trying to set that up now. Currently we'll Sweet. see if that happens, but yeah, if you get a chance, um, I would highly recommend, you know, a little, usually they go around the country, you pay a little money, you get to sit in a room with it, meditate and charge your crystals up with it, spend a weekend with it sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just mind blowing how all the things that we just don't have any clue about. And we don't know about. Right. Yeah, I've heard about them for a while. There's a lot of them around, I guess, but I don't know um, exactly how many are. Uh, if, if there are differences between them, I wouldn't know that either. But I, I feel like some people claim that some are fake and some are real. But I don't I don't know for sure. How, how so the Mitchell Hedges one is the only one with the jaw that attaches. That's a, that's a unique thing to that school. The one I saw, his name is Max. And it's made out of five different types of crystal that are fused together and we can't do that today. We can't take crystal and basically, you know, kind of like the kind of like if you've ever been to Peru and you've been to Saxe Woman and those and all and see all those temples and everything where the rocks are almost like molded together so that there's no space and there's no mortar in between any, any of them. But, they, you know, look like they've almost been like wet and then they're molded and then they're then they're hard. You know what I mean? Um, we can't we can't malleably you know, liquefy crystal and then mold it all together into one piece that you could, when you look at its face and there's three, like one little spot over here, one piece in here and the half of it is another different type. We can't do that. We can't mold crystal together and to make it one. That's, it's not a technology that we have. This thing is, you know, it's incredible um, the way this thing is made. And uh, you know, it's, it, Again, yeah, there are uh, fake. I don't know what fake means as far as it goes, but there's some that I just don't think go with the legend. I think the Anna Mitchell Hedges, the Max, the one in the Smithsonian, some of the British Museum. I've heard, you know, seven, six or seven of the legend ones are out there in the public uh, that are, you know, kind of publicly known. But uh, I'm sure there are other ones that are out there. They're just, you know, privately owned that people don't even know about. But um, yeah, I assume that the legend is based on some truth, like I said, to sit in something like that and have an experience like that, to sleep next to it one night. You know, I had no idea what that was going to be like. I was excited to do it, but that was, you know, I don't know if you've ever had kind of astral projection or, you know, things that were what you would call more visions than dreams where like some really things are going on that are happening that seem just as real as like me and you hanging out talking right now. Um, that's yeah. what it was like to me. And I was constantly being pulled out of my body into those realms. So some of my most amazing experiences came from new crystals that I tried sleeping with that were something that were new in my energy. It seemed, seemed like it did something. So the first one that I, that was very profound was a piece of lapis that was, uh, I, I just searched for like large or huge stones on, on eBay. That seemed to be the cheapest way to get larger pieces. I was looking for a large piece of lapis because lapis was lazuli was the the stone most recommended by Edgar Casey. So I thought that'd be mm -hmm. a good one to start experimenting with. And it's you know it's a blue stone from Afghanistan, and I put that one near the um, very very close to my head. It was kind of like just just below um, the top of the mattress, um, just resting on a blanket behind my head. And that one seemed to contribute to my first very vivid out-of-body experience where it was like 
I was having a dream. It started in a dream where I, I, I was looking at my room in kind of like a different plane, a different reality. But then uh, I, a peaceful song was playing in the back of my head. And then I, um, I snapped awake. It, it was almost like I, I peacefully drifted into an awake state. And then my mm. heart started racing when I realized that I was looking at my body and I was not my body. And that was, that was very profound. And uh, I knew what was happening because of my, my studies. And I was very excited to go exploring and I explored out and I saw the tree outside and I went up through the roof and uh, uh, felt like this immense love coming from the heavens and from the sky. It was like the sky was a blanket of love and, uh, and it was one of the most beautiful experiences. And then I kind of got, frightened i look back down snap back in my body and I, I know that's just basically a very typical story i hear from a lot of people who attend my meetings that that's how their you know their early autobody experiences go is that they they have something that triggers them and they get snapped back into the body um yeah, very interesting that crystals can do these things or, or benefit the consciousness in some way to expand it yeah i put i put crystals under my mattress that align with each chakra and sleeping like that for a long time just felt like it just centered me more um and felt like everything was like more in alignment um in my body you know uh things that i would like kind of be susceptible to depression and things like that were not as easy to kind of like fall into and so you know i've done that i've done I've literally put them in my pocket and it just seems like, so if you're, if your body's creating this aura and this energy grid around you that having certain kinds of crystals and stuff in your field kind of corrects the, you know, out of alignment parts of your, your energy field and your energy grids and things. So to me, it makes perfect sense to carry them around with you to wear them on necklaces, um, different ones to different things, physical, spiritual things. And um, yeah, I think that's why, you see so many people just like buying those small ones and putting them in their pocket just to carry them when they, when they're something is out of alignment. Yeah. You know. The law of one refers to uh, crystals as being frozen light basically. But mm -hmm. of course they also say that all of creation is essentially all, all matter is made of light, but like the, the purity of the light seems to be a higher, you know, a higher proportion of coherence in the light that's frozen into the, into the pure crystals. So Isn't it seems that as called Go Sorry, ahead. isn't that called piezoelectricity when you rub two two crystals together? Yeah, yeah, there are magnetic and electric effects that are clearly indicating there's something going on that makes it makes it more like well, I guess it's like it's unlike anything else the the way crystals react to fields. Um, but I but it definitely seems like they they're they're super sensitive to you know anything that we're feeling, and 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 if we put a personality on it, if we have like the pet rock. Um, you know, the other day, my son was very, very insistent on my 14 month old son was carrying around a particular rock. And I, I was like, it must be something about that rock he's really into because he doesn't normally hold on to things that long. Um, but, but it seems like they, they, they do, they do hold a vibration. They hold that consciousness that we putting, putting into it. And then mm -hmm. because they're holding onto it, then it's like, we don't have to hold onto it as strongly. That stone is now the one that's, that's carrying the um i guess the dead weight when we're when we're when we don't have that same vibration anymore the stone that we gave it that intention to have that energy it maintains so that's why it's important also to you know regularly if you have stones around you to put some attention on them and mm. and re-energize them 
Yeah, yeah, my daughter does the same thing. And it's funny that it's just intuitive, right? Just there are a lot of things she won't hold on to for very long. But man, if she gets a crystal boy, she will carry it around forever. And if you try to get out of her hand, it's like locked in there. Like you can't get it out. Um, but I do think it is an intuitive thing. That's why they're just, we're just drawn and we look at those things. And, you know, a lot of times people say, which one do I need? Like, man, whatever one calls to you the most, whatever one you're most attracted to, you know, go grab a couple and throw them in your pocket and they're going to be helpful. Um, and energy grids too, just having a lot of different types, small, medium, big, you know, and putting them around your house and just intuitively, I mean, I feel like when I've got crystals, I feel that intuitive call put one here, put one here, put these over here, and then sometimes change and relocate them um, so that they're not just staying in the same place. But having like an energy grid in your house makes it feel so powerful. Like, you know what I mean? There's a reason why, you know, Superman has to go charge up in his little crystal cave. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very charging, you know, especially if you need to charge them in the sun, charge them in the moonlight and uh, move them around and put them in different. I mean, th- those grids can really amplify the energy of your home and like I said sometimes you're just moving around when people walk in they're like oh my god it feels so good in here you know and it's just like you know i live in a house just like anybody else in the neighborhood but i bet you my walking into my house if you were put a blindfold on somebody and do like a blind study i bet you if you just said well, how do you feel like it would be different you know there would be like a level to one to ten how do you feel i bet you if you were to do a study on that you would you know find out that people who had crystal grids and crystals in their home it would just feel better um, I definitely felt that and I won't go back because I know for me, that is the truth. So um, there definitely seem to be something that holds memory that can hold energy that can, um, you know, really clean you out and, and realign you back into better you. Yeah. I believe the wood also in the walls can even absorb our consciousness over time and help a room feel a certain way. Right. And that's why I feel like you see a lot of people when they move into a new house, they'll like sage it and, you know, and and do a lot of prayer and stuff in it to kind of let some of those things go. I mean, spirits can get stuck to homes um, and energy can get stuck into homes and things like that. So it is always good to do cleansing and stuff before you move in. I mean, my dad would not ever subscribe to like ghosts or anything like that, you know, but his brother died while we lived in the house that I grew up in. And we used to always say that he would pick things up and move them and change them and put them somewhere in the house. And we had this really tall cabinet and there would be things that we put up there sometimes and nobody would put up there and we would find them up there. And they would always say like Wayne did it, you know, and it was always kind of a house, a joke in the house or whatever. But, you know, I don't think anybody took a lot of, you know, gave a lot of credit to that, to that story. But when my parents finally moved out and my dad rented that house out, he went back to the house and the, and the tenants, um, they asked him about the ghost that was in there. My dad was like, well, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's, they were like, yeah, he looks like this. And he reads the paper and he sits on the couch over here. And it like, God smacked my dad. He's like, uh, that looks ex- exactly like my brother. And he used to read the paper and sit on the couch over there. And he he said, I don't know how, what that means he goes but that is definitely odd and so you know things get stuck you know souls get stuck energy gets stuck and we need to cleanse it when it's definitely helpful and healing to remind the spirits in there hey you guys don't belong here anymore you know go back and do it all over again don't get stuck on this don't worry about us um you know we'll take care of this you know um go back and and do the lineage thing you know um 
So I think that is important to sage and to, you know, energy can get stuck too. And chakras can get like supposed to be little pools of spinning, you know, water and stuff, and they can get clogged up too. So um, it's good to move those energies, those energy buys around and the energy in our homes. And I think it's good to help her, um, you know, allowing kind of like a crystal grid to protect your home to not allow certain things and entities and spirits to get in. And, you know, that is definitely something that happens. People get in a day with spirits and, you know, things happen like that. And, uh, you know, they'll say we're at the spiritual war. I don't like to consider them as more so like a war, but I do think that we have to protect these avatars that we're in, our souls that are in these avatars. Um, there are a lot of entities that want to be in the physical. And so I think one of the things that I learned being a bartender was that, um, alcohol was like a huge portal for negative spirits. And so I saw people do things and things that would happen that would happen because of alcohol. And I had this moment where I was sitting up the bar one day and I just this epiphany or kind of question that came into me instantly. And it was like, why do they call alcohol spirits? And I was like, I don't know, but I got this fancy phone and I'll look it up. And um, sure enough, ancient people believe that alcohol did open up a portal too. Uh, spirits to jump in and out and I like kind of immediately knew that's why um, people would say things and do things they wouldn't normally do on alcohol it wasn't them and you would forget it you could totally black out and totally forget it and I was like oh that's because you're not in charge anymore there's another entity in charge doing things and you're kind of like taking a back seat and then come to full circle to hear people who are doing kind of like, I guess you would call maybe positively channeling people channeling like Bashar or Ramtha or something who are coming up with these incredible informations just flowing through them. And they would, and I are Abraham Hicks. And she would say, when I'm channeling this, I'm kind of sitting in the back, kind of listening and doing my own thing, but I'm aware of it. And I was like, Oh, that's exactly what the other people are doing too. They're just channeling something kind of negative. So, um, you know, we have to really protect these bodies that we're in and make sure we're putting not just good food and good thoughts and good emotions, but, you know, protecting ourselves with, with, you know, good things in our house and positive things and positive light things and crystals and stuff. So. Okay. Anything wow. else you guys want to say? No, great job guys. Thank you. This was really awesome. Thanks Mike. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Appreciate you all. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, okay. guys. Have a great night. All right. All right, guys. Peace. Bye.